Canadians are some of the nicest, most agreeable, most accommodating people on the planet. But apparently, even America's hat has its limits. Specifically, Canada's truckers, thousands of whom have descended on the nation's capital to protest the country's vaccine mandate and general descent into a biomedical police state. What a moment in Canadian history here at Parliament Hill. I love you, Canada! For decades, the international left has enjoined the workers of the world to unite. And now that they are uniting, leftist leaders are terrified, furious, and have even gone into hiding. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Andy Tanner, who says, Neil Young, keep on rocking in a free world. Also, Neil Young, papers, please. Show me your papers or else. And shut up that Joe Rogan. Yeah, that's true. That's right. It's because the word free means different things to different people. <laughs> that's why we're all arguing over what does this word free mean? The libs think that freedom means the ability to shoot up whatever drugs you want and have sex with whoever you want and get free stuff from the government. The uh, sort of libertarians kind of agree with that, but they don't agree with the free stuff from the government part, but they agree with the do whatever you want part. And then the conservatives believe that freedom means the freedom from sin, from vice, from degeneracy, from your basest appetites, freedom to have a good community, the freedom to have safety in your neighborhood, the freedom to have flourishing families and a good life. What does free mean? Something tells me Neil Young's definition is not not the whole story. You know, uh, Neil Young wrote a famous song called Old Man, where he was going out and he bought a ranch and he met this old man who had been living on the ranch. He's old man, take a look at my life. And that's the whole song about buying this ranch. Well, when you want meat from some of the best ranches in America, you really got to check out good ranchers. I really hate being lied to. I'm sure you hate being lied to as well. And did you know that when you go to the grocery store and you buy your meat, you very often see a sticker that says product of USA. Did you know that 85% of the grass-fed beef in the United States is imported from overseas. Did you know that that product of USA sticker means basically nothing? As long as there's minimal processing here, you can be importing cheap beef from from foreign countries and they'll call it American beef. Don't do it. Don't, Don't buy that cheap imported beef that lacks true good American flavor. Check out Good Ranchers. All their steaks are USDA prime and choice graded means the steakhouse can come to your door. I had some delicious ribeyes, uh, not last night, two nights ago from, from Good Ranchers. They were absolutely fabulous. Grilled them up to perfection. Right now you can save, this is not a joke, $30 with my code Knowles, Canada BLES at checkout. $30, that's a lot of money off any box. Biggest discount they've ever offered. Today is the day to save big on your new favorite steak. They are the exclusive meat company of the Daily Wire for good reason. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles to save 30 bucks. Make 2022 your most flavorful year yet. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. The Canadians are really stepping up. This is also related to Neil Young. So Neil Young, a Canadian, is trying to destroy American broadcasting, trying to take down any non-woke broadcaster up to and including Joe Rogan. But then you've got these other Canadians stepping up and saying, no, we don't want to live in a biomedical security state. You got thousands of truckers just driving through the streets of the capital, now coming to the U.S. border to block up the U.S. border and saying, no, we're not going to take it anymore. You're not going to shut down our churches. You're not going to destroy our communities. You're not going to take away all of our rights. We're not going to do it. We're going to push back. Truckers, the lifeblood of the economy, the, the workers of the, the salt of the earth, the blue collar of the blue collar are uniting and they're, they're exerting their political influence and power just like the left has been begging them to do for over a century now. And what are the leftist leaders doing in response? Are they applauding? Are they cheering? Are they supporting the truckers? No, the leftist prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, has gone into hiding. Not only has he not shown up for the protest, he's run away. He doesn't, he doesn't 
want to have to face the mob, the relatively peaceful mob of truckers, the relatively peaceful protest. (laughs) And, And so he's gone into hiding, he's issued a statement, and he's condemned the protest. I have attended protests and rallies in the past. Uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand. I, I do not support, I, do, I don't do a very good Canadian accent. The only one that I do somewhat well is Jordan Peterson, but that's not, not the same one as Justin Trudeau. He says, I do not support violence. I do not support hateful rhetoric. I love BLM because they would never get violent, right? They would never burn a country down for eight months. They would never spew just bile. They would never tear down a country's revered figures and statues and firebomb buildings and attack federal courthouses and kill dozens of people. They would never do that. Not BLM. That's why I support BLM. But some nice, generally polite Canadian truckers, them I cannot support. What Trudeau is showing us is something really basic about the way politics operates. Us versus them. In politics, in all successful political movements, you've got to unite. You've got to have a team and you got to support your team and you've got to show grace to your team members and you've got to oppose your opponents. This seems basic, right? But we've, we've kind of forgotten that sometimes. This is why conservatives constantly decry double standards. We say, hold on, that leftist media outlet is going softer on the leftist political activists than on the conservative political activists. Right, because they're on the same team and and the conservatives are on the opposite team, which is why they're, this isn't rocket science, guys. This is politics 101. And so what you're seeing in Canada now is the, the leftist media, also in America, the leftist media, are saying that these truckers are Nazis, they're hateful, they're violent, they're dangerous, they're all sorts of things. And how do they do it? Well, because they, they find one guy, one fringe guy doing something bad or holding up a symbol that they don't like, or, you know, that's some terrible far-right extremist evil symbol. And they'll say, okay, this fringe person is representative of the whole Canadian trucker movement. As far as I can tell, the Canadian truckers haven't killed anybody, have they? BLM killed dozens of people. The Canadian truckers, I don't think they've done that. And yet the BL, the, the Canadian truckers rather are hateful, terrible terrorists. They're dangerous. And the BLM are mostly peaceful protests, right? Well, they, sure. That's a double standard. Why is it a double standard? Justin Trudeau just told you, yes, well, I'm going to support leftists and I'm going to oppose conservatives. Oh, okay. I guess we should have known that. Maybe we should, maybe we should order our political movements accordingly. It's not just happening in Canada. The leftist media in America is is coming out strongly against the truckers, and they're saying that the truckers and anyone protesting for a return to normal life and freedoms and civil liberties and good communities in Canada, they're basically members of a cult. So over the weekend, thousands of protesters brought uh, the capital of Canada to a standstill. Dozens of trucks and other vehicles could be seen blocking the downtown area of Ottawa as protesters rallied against vaccine mandates, masks and lockdowns. That seems uh, like an interesting way to spend your weekend. (laughs) The demonstrations were initially aimed at pushback against vaccine mandates for truck drivers crossing the U.S.-Canada border. But the movement escalated into an expression of disapproval with the Canadian government's COVID-19 policies. Officials say several investigations are underway into reports of severe vandalism and criminal behavior, including the desecration of national monuments. Hmm. Where were these protests 
protests when people were required to take get five vaccines to start school. Where were these protests when people were required to give their children five vaccines? They were in the doctor's office getting vaccines. They were in the doctor's office getting vaccines. They were making fun of left wingers on the West Coast. Coming up. It's a cult. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's a cult. These people, these truckers who are not blindly following authority are in a cult. These truckers who are thinking for themselves and doing their own research and questioning the ever-changing proclamations of the priests of public health, who won't just go along like good little sheep, they're in a cult. Where were they when they were told to get other vaccines? Uh, I don't know. They were probably weighing the risks and looking into the history of the vaccines and recognizing that certain vaccines have decades and decades and decades of data behind them. And certain vaccines do what vaccines are supposed to do and prevent you from, from contracting and spreading certain diseases and viruses. And then some newer vaccines use completely new, basically untested technology with no long-term data that don't do the things that the public health geniuses told us they would do. And maybe they're making prudential judgments uh, based on that. Maybe they're using their faculties of reason and not just following the the high cult leader, Dr. Fauci. Maybe that's what they're doing. It's a cult. And did you, did you hear what Mika said? Oh, this was bad. I almost, a tear almost dropped from my eye. She said that some of these truckers, there are reports, we don't have any evidence of it, so it probably didn't happen, but there are reports that they were desecrating national monuments. Could you imagine, just imagine, if a leftist movement ever desecrated national monuments? Could you imagine if there were a leftist movement that existed almost entirely to desecrate national monuments and tear down statues and vandalize statues for months and months? Oh, right, that exists. It's called BLM and you people applauded it. You love, you love desecrating national monuments when it's, when it's your guys doing it and when it's monuments that you don't like. It's just, it's just us versus them. That's what this is. It's just, you like it when your friends do it. You don't like it when your enemies do it. And so it raises this question, who is us and who is them in this situation? We were told for many years that the us of conservatives are the plutocrats and the big fat cats and rich uncle penny bags and all those zillionaires in the corporate class. And the them, the leftists, they're the workers of the world. They're the salt of the earth. They're the, they're labor. But that doesn't seem to be the case. The truckers are a great example here because the truckers are the lifeblood of an economy. And Mika and Joe sipping their Chablis from a high tower in Rockefeller Plaza, they're not exactly the the Teamsters, are they? What you're seeing here is an historic opportunity for conservatives to be the party of labor, to be the party of the working class. That's happening now. It's there. It's it's up for us. The left has completely abandoned these people. Will the conservatives step in to fill that gap. We should. It's the right thing to do. And politically, it would be very smart. Now, by the way, when you think of rich Uncle Pennybags, what do you think? You sometimes think of a guy in a big stroller suit and a nice top hat smoking a cigar. But the crazy thing about cigars is when you think about cigars, you can also think of the blue collar worker, the construction worker puffing on a stogie while doing his job. Cigars are a great equalizer. They're a wonderful social equalizer. They're also the sort of thing you can have by yourself just to unwind, which is why I would strongly recommend you go check out Thompson Cigars. Thompson in particular is a great equalizer when it comes to cigars because you can get extremely high quality cigars for insanely low prices. I I became a Thompson customer when I was 16 and my mother bought me my first box of cigars. I would shop from them during college. So I'm, I'm living on a college student budget, not exactly a Rockefeller. And you can get really, really great smokes for a very low price with Thompson. They got the biggest brands. I, in particular, I love, gosh, what? The Davidoffs, of course, the Nat Shermans are wonderful. The Oliva are phenomenal. Bang for buck. You're never going to beat that Oliva series. O. just really wonderful cigars. Sit back, Take a break from all the craziness with the cigar from Thompson Cigar Company. These guys rarely do offers. Right now, they're offering our listeners an additional 15% off their already low prices for orders over 75 bucks or 20% off orders over 99 bucks. To take advantage of these incredible savings, go to thompsoncigar.com. Use promo code Knowles when you are ready to check out. 
That website is Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, cigar.com. Use promo code Knowles. Now, we, we have the opportunity as conservatives to be the party of the working class, to be the party of the ordinary citizen, to be the party not of the global cosmopolitan laptop class elite who don't really mind lockdowns because lockdowns don't really affect them and who don't really have any respect for national borders and who don't really have any respect for national traditions. Right? We're, that's the Democrats. That's the left. That's not us. We can be the party of the traditional way of life and good old common sense and prudence if we seize that opportunity. The libs are making it very easy for us. Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, governor of California, just showed up to the LA Rams game in LA. LA, which has an indoor mask mandate for big events. He goes to the game and what happens? He takes a photo with Magic Johnson, neither of whom are wearing masks. There are other photos of Gavin Newsom from this event. He's sitting, he's chatting, he's having a good time. He's not wearing his mask. He gets this photo with Magic Johnson, which is even crazier because Magic Johnson, you will know, has AIDS. He's had AIDS for decades. He is is as immunocompromised as they get. And yet Magic Johnson's not cowering in fear with the mask. Gavin Newsom's not cowering in fear with the mask. This photo was taken. Other photos were taken. Gavin Newsom tried to explain it away. I was very judicious yesterday. Uh, Very judicious. And you'll see the photo that I did take um, where... Magic was kind enough, generous enough to ask me for a photograph, and in my left hand's the mask, and I took a photo. Uh, the rest of the time, I wore it, uh, as we all should, uh, not when I had a glass of water or a thing, and I uh, encourage everybody else to do so, and, uh, and that's it. And that's it. It was just, look, we just took this photo, okay, and it was, uh, we just, we just, and, and it's fine. It's not a big deal, except... There are other videos. There are videos of them walking up, hugging. It's not just the briefly you take the mask down in between sips, in between bites, take a quick photo. No, they weren't wearing their masks. And Magic, I should say Magic Johnson has HIV. He doesn't have full-blown AIDS. He has, he has HIV. Pretty immun- immunocompromised. <laughs> okay, it's quite immunocompromised. That's the word, that was the word of 2020, immunocompromised. No one had ever used that word before. Now everybody uses that word. Except the the most immunocompromised people, not, not, not so worried about it. What's that about? I am beginning to think that what most protects people from COVID-19 is not masks. Again, I'm not making a medical claim about masks or vaccines or whatever. Please, YouTube, don't, please, YouTube, don't take me down, okay? I'm just saying what most protects people from COVID-19. It's not the masks and it's not the vaccines. I think what it is, is um, money and power. Because there's just an observation I've made. Really rich, really powerful people, they don't follow any of the public health measures that they encourage other people to follow. I'm thinking of people like the mayor of San Francisco. I'm thinking of people like the mayor of New York. I'm thinking of people like Joe Biden. I'm thinking of people like Dr. Fauci. I'm thinking of all of these people. They don't, but they're, the one thing they have in common is they're really rich and they're really powerful and they want you to live according to a set of rules that they themselves will not follow. Hmm. I guess we all just need to become really rich and powerful and then we won't catch COVID either. Or maybe there's something else going on. Maybe a lot of this COVID regime that we're living under is not so much about the virus and it's not so much about the health and the cough and the chills. Maybe it's a little bit more about reshaping the political order. You know, speaking of money and power, there is one name that you're not allowed to say in politics. Do you know whose name that is? George Soros. You're going to talk about, you might be kicked off of social media. You're not allowed to say George Soros because if you mention the name George Soros, you are an anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist. If you just even say the name. Because some conservatives have previously observed that George Soros is a huge funder of of very far left-wing causes and a huge funder of Democrat politicians. 
and that he's exerting a lot of his influence to destroy our country. But you see, George Soros is Jewish. And so if you ever mention that, you're an anti-Semite and you're a conspiracy theorist too, because I guess George Soros doesn't really give any money. It's a total boogeyman. It doesn't, oh, wait a second. We've got, we've got federal documents here from the election commission showing that George Soros has donated just year to date, just to one super PAC, $125 million. That's, that's a lot of money. $125 million. I'm seeing it just year to date, just to one super PAC for, to promote left-wing causes. But I thought that was a racist conspiracy theory. I am now pretty convinced that when the liberal establishment calls something a racist conspiracy theory, you can be almost certain, almost, not 100%, but almost certain that that observation is true. (laughs) Because racist, for the left, racist doesn't really mean racist. Well, they've changed the definition of racist. The Anti-Defamation League changed the definition just within the past few weeks from hating people based on their race to only something that white people can do against non-white people. So they change the definition frequently, but it, it really doesn't even have that much to do with race, racism. What racism means in the modern leftist parlance is bad, just bad. If you're a racist, if I say you're a racist, all that means is you're bad. Really all it means is I don't like you because the left doesn't even generally believe in objective truth. (laughs) They just believe that politics is a system of interests. We're all just trying to club each other on the head and there's no logic or transcendent moral order. So it just means I don't like you. Okay. So that's what racism. And then conspiracy theory in modern leftist parlance means something that will be proven true in nine months. (laughs) So something I don't like that will be proven true in nine months is, is what they're talking about. And that would seem to be the case when we're talking about the influence of of someone like George Soros, when we're talking about the origins of COVID, when we're talking about the effectiveness of mitigation measures, when we're talking about on and on and on and on. But that's a lot of power. 125 million bucks from just one guy, just year to date, to just one super PAC. That's a lot of power. And this is the left exerting this power through all of the institutions. And they are all coming down right now on one man, on one pot-smoking DMT chomping. I don't really know how you take DMT. Wrestling, UFC, watching broadcaster named Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is persona non grata. He is public enemy number one for the left because he is giving a big platform to dissenting opinions. Neil Young tried to get him canceled. Joni Mitchell tried to get him canceled. A bunch of other even less well-known musicians tried to get him canceled. Hasn't quite worked, but now he's feeling the pressure and Joe sort of back, backtracked a little bit. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. One of the things that Spotify wants to do that I agree with is that at the beginning of these controversial podcasts, like specifically ones about COVID, is to put a disclaimer and say that you should speak with your physician and that these people and the opinions that they express are contrary to the opinions of uh, the consensus of experts, which I think is very important. Sure, have that on there. I'm very happy with that. Um, Also, I think uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. Uh, I would most certainly be open to doing that. It's unfortunate that Joe is in this position. I can't even imagine the pressure he's getting. I'm not going to pile on him for this backtrack. I think this backtrack depending on what happens now, this actually could be tactically pretty smart. 
It's too bad that he gave in on the disclaimer. He probably shouldn't have done that. Or if he did, he should have had disclaimers on the other shows presenting the liberal viewpoint on COVID too. But depending on what happens now, this could either be the smartest thing the man's ever done or the dumbest thing the man's ever done. Don't forget Joe Rogan's genius, his magic power is is that he's talking to a huge swath of Americans, not just right-wing conservatives, probably not even all that many relatively right-wing conservatives. A lot of people in the middle, a lot of people on the left, the guy was a Bernie bro. If he can bring them over, if he can expose them to thought that is contrary to the leftist orthodoxy, that's great. And in the way he's going to do that is he's going to have to maintain his platform, calm everyone down. And that's kind of what he's doing. You're saying, look, guys, calm. Look, uh, everything that my guys said on this show was totally right. And they're extremely credentialed and they're great and they're awesome. But sure, maybe we'll bring some balance. I'm the balance guy. Don't worry. It's all good. Hey, let's calm down. Be cool. Keep calm and carry on. Could be actually a pretty brilliant way to handle it. When you're feeling calm, when you're feeling cool, when you want to kick back a little bit, I would strongly recommend you check out Helix. Would you like to sleep in my bed? Maybe you do. I don't know. Probably though, you wouldn't want to do it every single night. You want to sleep in your bed. You want to sleep in a bed built for you. And with Helix, you can do that. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. So if you're looking for a mattress, take that quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to that mattress store again, which is great. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. Helix has financing options, flexible payment plans, so it's a great night's sleep that is so, so close. It is within your reach. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Knowles. That's helixsleep.com slash Knowles for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Also, tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, Candace Owens sits down with Dr. Robert Malone in an exclusive two-part interview airing tonight and tomorrow. Neil Young is going to be furious about this. I want that Candace canceled. I'm pulling my music from, from the Daily Wire. I don't, Neil, we don't have your, I'm doing it. Don't, don't you stop. So after all hell broke loose with the Dr. Malone interview on Rogan, Candace decided that she wanted to make sure that all voices are heard. Take a listen. In order to evaluate any vaccine, you want to hear both sides of an argument. All media and information that we are currently encountering is manipulated. I want to jump in and talk about when your interview with Joe Rogan started going viral. Not only was Google triggered, a whole range of of legacy media were triggered. It's an entire ecosystem of illegality and corruption. You should be and you are appropriately outraged about this. You can judge the value of society by how it treats its children. Our treatment of our children has been atrocious. This is the red line, right? This is the line. What is it that drives you to keep going toward truth? I've been given the gift that I might be able to make a positive impact. How can I walk away from it? You can watch both parts of this interview exclusively at dailywire.com. Part one airs tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, and part two will premiere tomorrow at the same time. If you don't already have a Daily Wire membership, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Use code science for 25% off. You're not going to want to miss this. Code science. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. Joe Rogan is going to keep calm and carry on. Do you know who can't keep calm? Our president. Our president is having huge mood swings. He's mumbling to himself, rambling incoherently, and then he'll just start shouting. Really, and he'll he'll do this thing. Come on, man. So Joe uh, Joe Biden, not Joe Rogan, Joe Biden was just giving a speech up in Pennsylvania about infrastructure, and out of nowhere, he starts screaming at the crowd. Imagine being the parent, making the minimum wage or twice the minimum wage and having a child with type 1 diabetes, knowing that if you can't and have no insurance, knowing if you cannot get that money for the insulin, the child may die. 
in addition to your child. It strips you of your dignity, damn it. Can you imagine looking at your child? And you know what they need. And not be able to do it? Many of you have lost children. Many of you have seen. Imagine. It's outrageous. What is he talking about? What does this have to do with infrastructure? What? This isn't working. I'm not just saying that because I don't like Joe Biden and I'm on the other side of the political aisle. Look at any of the polls. None of this is working. The guy's poll numbers are completely collapsing. He's below water on every single issue. This isn't working. Why? In part, it's because Joe Biden is too old. It's, he's too, yes, the thing he's describing is bad. Although did you, it's kind of weird the way he described it. He said he was calm for the part about, and your child might die. But then he got really angry and animated for the part about you might, you might feel undignified. Hold on. Your child, if you're going to get angry about anything, get angry about your child is going to die, not about, anyway, it's because he's losing his political touch. And the reason this isn't working is because Joe has been around forever. So the problems that he's describing are problems that he probably should have tried to fix sometime in his 50 plus year political career at the national level of politics. When he was vice president of the United States, when he was a senior senator for so long, why didn't he fix any of this then? You can't, you can't be the outsider saying, look at how terrible everything is. Buddy, you've been running the country for half a century. You've, you've played a significant role in running the country for half a century. So if everything's still screwed up, that's on you. That's you're, you, you've been there. You've been in that place. Remember when Joe Biden and Barack Obama were supposed to fix America's healthcare system. They were going to pass Obamacare and all the healthcare problems were going to go away. And Joe Biden at the, at the signing ceremony for Obamacare was caught on a hot mic saying, this is a big effing deal. This is a big, well, if it was such a big effing deal, how come all the same problems still exist? Because your, your policies failed. They didn't do the thing you're supposed to do. And so you can scream and yell at the audience until you're blue in the face, but no one believes you anymore because you're not, you haven't done any of the things that you've been complaining about. It's getting much harder for the Democrats to say that everything's going to get a lot worse if the Republicans win, that the whole world is going to get a lot worse if the Republicans win. They're trying to do it, but it just seems ludicrous. Uh, There was an MSNBC contributor, Malcolm Nance, who just claimed that if the GOP wins the House back in the midterm elections, then the American experiment is over. Putin may have started this as a test, right, to see if Joe Biden would fold almost immediately. You have to see another thing. Putin also understands the opportunity of having a Republican, um, you know, giving the Republicans ammunition to topple the American government this November. And I don't say that lightly. If the Republicans win power this November, that's it. The American experiment is over. It is the basis for autocracy. They, you know, they'll follow through with their threat to make Trump Speaker of the House and use that as a springboard to make him president. And then there will never be another free or fair election in the United States. Putin understands that by giving Biden this crisis, he gets the Republicans like Tucker Carlson and all of these other people who is acting as a propagandist for Putin. Uh, there, there are a lot of problems with, with what Malcolm Nance just said. First is the historical fact that Democrats have always gone much softer on Russia than the Republicans have. The Democrats made up this whole thing about colluding with the Russians during the Trump administration, but it was just completely made up. It was cooked up by Democrat political operatives and the deep state. It wasn't real. It went nowhere. The Mueller investigation, it's Mueller time. Remember that? It went nowhere. It was completely fake. Here's my evidence to you. Republican president, George Bush, Vladimir Putin tries to invade the sovereign country of Georgia. Bush says no. Putin backs off. Barack Obama, Democrat president, Putin invades Crimea, a region of Ukraine. Obama says, okay, well, all right, but now listen, Vlad, don't go any further. No, no, come on now. All right. And so Vladimir Putin keeps Crimea. The Democrat allowed Putin to conquer part of his neighbor. Then Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, he didn't just stop wanting land all around the world. He just 
didn't invade countries anymore because he knew that Trump would blow him to smithereens. Then Joe Biden comes in. What happens? Vladimir Putin is planning an invasion of Ukraine. And is, it is already sort of underway on the Ukrainian border. So which party is weaker on Russia? The Republicans, who don't let Putin invade his neighbors, or the Democrats, who always let Putin invade his neighbors? Obviously, the latter. But then consider the ridiculous point he's making for domestic politics. Malcolm Nance from MSNBC. He says, he says, if the opposition party ever wins any election, that's autocracy. <laughs> so if the, if the current ruling party never loses elections ever again, that's democracy. And if the people can elect a different party, that's autocracy. That, of course, would be the opposite of reality. But this is what they believe. I don't even think he's being disingenuous here. Because when they say democracy, they, they don't really mean democracy. They mean liberalism. They mean progressivism. They mean leftism. But they don't mean democracy. This is why when conservative candidates win elections in the United States, in Poland, in Hungary, in Brazil, wherever, that's always a threat to democracy. And you'll see it on the headlines. Conservative candidate wins in Poland. Polish democracy under threat. The New York Times was just writing about that. Polish democracy is under threat because the people elected a non-liberal. So democracy, well, uh, if the people elected him, by definition, that is democratic. But liberalism is, is generally quite anti-democratic. And progressivism is very anti-democratic because they believe that there is a science of history, a science of politics that they can know basically with certainty. And so they're going to progress to that point. And if you stand in the way of that, then that's a big problem. And so what they're going to do is create a lot of anti-democratic institutions like the administrative state, like various technocratic czars, and they're going to run our lives for us. Dr. Fauci is going to run our lives for us. And he's going to make our life much more progressive and much more left-wing and much more liberal and not very democratic, but that's fine because he knows what's best. The opposite of reality. You want to talk about autocracy and democracy and conspiracy theories. Pennsylvania court, Pennsylvania state court just admitted something that conservatives knew for a very long time. Namely, the Democrats cheated in the 2020 election in Pennsylvania. They cheated. It's plain as day. The state constitution in Pennsylvania says you can't have widespread mail-in ballots. The Democrats passed a, a law anyway, saying you're going to have widespread mail-in ballots. This was challenged. It was allowed to stand during the election because of COVID, because of the emergency, you can violate the constitution. Then Joe Biden got 50 bazillion votes or whatever in Pennsylvania, the most votes ever of any person in the history of voting. And then the state court admits, oh, wait a second, it actually is unconstitutional. The New York Times writing about this. I love the way the New York Times writes about this. Pennsylvania courts says state's mail voting law is unconstitutional. First line, this is the very first sentence of the article. A state court in Pennsylvania on Friday struck down the state's landmark election law as unconstitutional, dealing a temporary blow to voting access in one of the nation's most critical battleground states. A temporary blow. What do you mean a temporary blow? The court said it's unconstitutional. Yeah, but don't worry. We'll get around the court. Yeah, whatever. Court schmort. Yeah, it's temporary. Don't worry. We're going to get what we want. Constitution be damned. They're it's so brazen. <laughs> it's so confident. It's so bold to say, yeah, whatever that idiot judge said, it's temporary. We'll fix it. Don't worry. We'll get to, we're, we're going to run these elections however we want. And you can hold up my constitution and that's great. Good for you. But we've got the power. We've got the vision. We've got the zeal and we're going to do it. That's what they're saying. So anti-democratic, so offensive to ordinary people, so offensive to, to the Pennsylvania public, to the American people who just want to have some say in their government. This is a great opportunity for conservatives to, to rework the way that our political coalitions are set up. The, the Democrats are now telling us we don't care what the people want. 
We're going to force them to do what, what, what we tell them to do, and we're not even going to follow our own rules. It's as elitist as it gets, as hypocritical as it gets. And you got the truckers siding with the conservatives. You've got parents right now siding with the conservatives. You've got, when you look at the racial demographics, they're breaking quite significantly for conservatives or in the direction rather of conservatives. So you saw a little bit of movement with the black vote. You're seeing huge movement right now with the Hispanic vote. You're seeing big movement with the suburban, it just means white, white middle-class women in, in the suburbs. They're breaking in the direction of conservatives. We got to seize this opportunity. But if you really want to seize this opportunity, you can't just recite the same stupid platitudes of the last 20 years of so-called conservatism. You're going to need to actually rethink things. You're not just going to hoodwink huge demographics of people to come over to your side if your policies will not actually benefit them. And if you're, you're, you don't really consider them to be your base, your constituency. So, so this is an issue right now that Senator Ron Johnson is trying to work through. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican senator, perfectly fine fella. I'm not, not really attacking Senator Johnson, but he was just asked a question by a member of the press. And his answer, I think, expresses some of the soul searching that the, the GOP is going to have to do right now, specifically on the issue of family policy. People decide to have families and, and uh, become parents. Uh, that's something, you know, they, they need to consider uh, when they make that choice. Uh, I've never really felt it was society's responsibility uh, to take care of other people's children. Okay, so Senator Johnson, perhaps he can be forgiven. He is a Republican who came up in a different age with different talking points and different platitudes. And very often politicians are beholden to the years they first got elected. Okay. But that answer is not going to work. What he's saying is the government has no role in encouraging families. That's for culture. That's for civil society. That's not, that's for the private sphere. That's not for the public sphere. That's not for the government. You know, Buster, government played a role in the problem in the first place. When government signed trade deals that gutted whole industries and whole communities and whole classes of people, that had an effect on family policy. When the government came in and made divorce much easier, that gutted families. When the government came in and changed regulations around contraception, adoption, around the economy even, that had an effect on families. When the government came in and took away virtually any impediment to mass migration in America and crushed the wages, particularly of the working class, that had an effect on family formation. It's a lot harder to raise a family then. That was government. That wasn't the culture. That wasn't the civil society. That wasn't just, you know, we've got to go change hearts and minds. That was the government that did that with laws and court decisions and executive orders and treaties. And maybe the government needs to fix some of those problems too. Obviously, the, the basic role of government is do good stuff and avoid bad stuff. That's at, at the most basic level. That's what politics exists for. Okay. And anyone who tells you otherwise is just putting lipstick on, on a pig here, or they're trying to gussy up something that's a, a plain fact. We want, we want more good. Well, I guess it's not, it's not piggish to say we want good stuff. We don't want bad stuff, but that's the basic level. Okay. There's a lot the government could do to help us get out of this mess and encourage family formation in Hungary and Russia, by the way, they're just paying people to have kids. Not the worst idea, but what else? There are other things we could do. We could restrict immigration. We could encourage marriage. We could end abortion. We could regulate contraception even. We could do, there's a lot of stuff we could do, okay, that would help families. And I think Republicans are going to need to start speaking seriously about that if we want to hold on to the gains that we are making in traditionally left-wing demographics. Speaking of family formation, I just saw the most, it was the most horrifying clip I've ever seen on the news. And I've seen a lot of ugly things on the news. But in terms of an actual just news segment, not covering an event, but an actual segment made for a TV show, this is the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen. A woman goes on a local news show 
to debate abortion. There's a pro-life woman there and a pro-abortion woman there. And the pro-abortion woman took an abortion drug and gave herself an abortion live on air. Are you advocating stocking up on abortion pills in case Roe versus Wade is overturned? Yes, so they are incredibly safe, safer than Viagra or Tylenol. Uh, They've actually been in um, medical practice since 2000. So if you order it through the mail, they'd be the same thing you would receive if you were to walk into a clinic. And the change that recently happened is previously you had to actually physically go to a doctor to receive at least the first of the medication. And now you can get it sent to you through the mail uh, on a sliding scale. And, um, and it is uh, extremely easy and uh, private and allows you to really self-manage your abortion. And Charlie, I just really, I wanna share with you really quickly, like this, this year is mifepristone. This is the first of two pills you would take to end a pregnancy and it would indu- induce an abortion, this very pill, um, by blocking the hormone and allowing a pregnancy to grow. And I wanna show you how easy it is and save it is by taking it myself. We're going to cut it off there. I don't, I don't actually want to show this woman taking the pill because she's killing someone on television. And this, we don't want to have snuff videos on here. So uh, we're, we're not going to show that. She says it's her third abortion. I have no reason not to believe her. She says she's pregnant there. I have no reason not to believe her about that either. She seems giddy to kill her children. And you'll notice when she holds up the pill, She's got a tattoo on her hand, and that tattoo is of a pentagram. It's a sign of witches. I'm I'm not, this is not some fevered, crazy, delusional thinking. This is what witches, self-described witches, use as one of their symbols. It's a satanic symbol. It's an occult symbol. Do you think that's just a coincidence? Because there are people who say, okay, listen, you keep your religion you keep your religion out of my politics and my health care. And then they hold up their hand and they've got a satanic symbol there. What about your, what about your religion? Hold on. Let's definitely keep your religion. I think my religion, Christianity, is pretty good in politics and health care. I think it's good because it's, it's a good religion. It's true religion. And it leads to human flourishing. And I think that your religion, Satanism, is bad and should definitely be suppressed. You, we should definitely keep that one out of politics and healthcare. But they will say, oh, come on, you silly. I'm not really a Satanist. Come on, there's nothing, there's no, there are no gods, there are no deities, there's no angels or demons. It's all just stuff. I'm just, it's just like kind of a symbol, right? A symbol of what, darling? Why are you wearing the symbol? This reminds me of that quote by Baudelaire. The finest trick the devil ever played was to convince people that he does not exist. But you see it, every, when, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Why is this woman, why does she have a satanic symbol on her hand? Why did Saul Alinsky, the author of Rules for Radicals, one of the most influential leftist organizers and theorists of the last hundred years, a mentor to Hillary Clinton, why did he acknowledge in the, in the beginning of his first edition of Rules for Radicals, why did he acknowledge right after the dedication, Lucifer? He in part dedicated the book to Lucifer, who he said was the first rebel who lost himself heaven, but won for himself a political power, a kingdom. Is that just, oh, haha, it's just a coincidence. It's just a symbol. It's not real. Well, you know, I'm seeing a lot of this stuff, I'm seeing a lot of this symbolism and, and or s- symbols are just meaningless. If, if what you're saying, if what the materialists are saying is true, that there's nothing spiritual, there's nothing beyond this physical world of matter, then symbols are meaningless, right? Because they don't refer to anything. But if they're meaningless, why, why do we have them? And why are they all kind of the same symbol? And why are they all, why are they all satanic? Maybe there, maybe there actually is something there. The question that we need to ask ourselves in public life is not, should we have religion in politics or should we not have religion in politics? All politics comes down to religion. There's no escaping it. All human conflict is theological. You can admit it or you can not admit it, but it's always going to come down to that because it's always about moral questions and it's always about the nature of man and his relationship to the state. And so you can't avoid it. The question is not, are we going to have religion or not have religion? The question is, are we going to have true religion or false religion? 
Which one? What do you want? Do you want, here are two choices that this lady is going to present to you. Christianity or Satanism. What do you want to live under? Well, I, I don't know. Can I just have Zoroastrianism? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that, that's not really an option, is it? That's not really what we're talking about. You can't avoid it. And it's a very childish impulse of, of people on the left and the right to try to avoid the ultimately religious character of, of politics. Obviously, what that woman did should be illegal. Obviously, these drugs should be illegal. You're going to hear some people say, well, you can't ban it. How can you ban it? It's a pill in the mail. You can order it on the internet. I don't know. How do we ban other drugs on the internet? How do we order, how, how do we ban ordering illegal weapons on the internet? How do we ban downloading child pornography on the internet? How about that? Should we, well, it's on the internet. Well, it's just, it's, it's too hard to control. Well, it's too hard to ban things. So we're, uh, I, I don't know. We do a pretty good job of banning all of those other things. And we arrest lots of people every year for violating that law. Maybe we can ban this too. Certainly you can go after the dealers. Certainly you can go after the middlemen and the distributors. Certainly you can go after the mail carriers for goodness sakes. But you can, you can. We have political power, guys. We, ha- we just have to use it. Take a lesson from the truckers up in Canada. We got a lot more political power than some people think that we do. We've just got to use it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 